found a friend in fear. And we have a friend for you. Hi. Samantha. Give me the police. The director who unleashed Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven, now brings you his most frightening creation. Get out of my house! Hey, girl. She's killing people. Mom? Sam? friend she can't live without you welcome to midnight flicks a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory i am one of your hosts adam walker and joining me as always is brandon hayden and john hoffman gentlemen how are you on this fine wednesday evening oh pretty crazy pretty pretty deadly uh doing well I'm I'm feeling uh, pretty good, seeing as I've shape shifted into Christy Swanson mode after my uh, 5K run tonight. Yeah, but you're just missing the blue eyeshadow, really. I mean, well, hey, I'm uh, I'm Christy Swanson pre BB BB brain insertion. Getting BB brained. Yeah, you're looking uh, all sexy and nice tits. Yeah, nice set of conservative reactionary tits you got there, Christy. I, I, I when I got my implants, I, I ordered the QAnon special. So, <laughs> that being said, our sponsor for this evening is BB Bits Robotic Parts and Accessories. When your robot is on the fritz, call BB Bits. Beep 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 beep. See what I did there? It's the shits. Brandon, I saw you played a pretty fun fest. Yeah, it was uh, it's pretty Fun crazy. Fest. Five five ten fest in Oakland. Uh, our good friend Greg put it on. Um, good good times. You know, I always have trepidation anytime a fest says it's back to back sets, fifteen minutes each or whatever. But uh, I will say, uh, as the social zeitgeist might know him, Greg Deadface. Our friend uh, Greg Paiva, he 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 runs tight ship. There was, it was like fucking right on time the entire thing. It was crazy, real good time. Um, lots of buddies. Uh, we we went and met the birth parents of the child that we're adopting this weekend as well. That's oh, pretty, congratulations, uh, dude! Yeah, that was that was pretty pretty cool. Pretty interesting. Had a had a. Good time with our uh, child to be's uh, brother and sister and parents, and it was cool. Long That's fucking great. weekend, though. I got to tell you, I can't remember the last time that I've been that sleep deprived in the three days that uh, this all took place. I probably got like oh seven hours of sleep or something, and drove yeah. like you know. 1400 miles or something round trip. So, uh, yeah, all work and no play makes BB, uh, a dead Christy Swanson, you know, as I said. 
Yeah, I was, I was uh, going to say you were probably looking like a haggard post post uh, uh, brain operation uh, Chrissy Swanson there. Right. Yeah, I felt like it. Today is actually the first day that I'm starting to feel more normal, but uh, pretty pretty eventful last week. Well, well welcome uh, back. Hey, thanks. Welcome back, welcome back, Christy. Well, <laughs> it's good to be I here. Think, I think there's a little Christy in all of us tonight. Sure. Let's just let's just agree on that. Sure, sure thing. Well, in case you haven't gathered from the the discussion so far, tonight's movie that we're talking about is. Wes Craven's 1986 sci-fi love story horror movie, whatever, uh, Deadly Friend. This was my pick. We're back to me. I feel like this episode is going to be somewhat of a similar uh, reflection of last week's episode where we talked about John's pick, which was the best of the best, a beloved childhood movie. And then after further analysis, realizing... Why did I like this movie again? <laughs> well, hey, it's 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 your opportunity to do that and my opportunity to possibly take on your role from last time. We'll see. That's good. We, we will see. And it's my role to just lambast you for picking this film. I'm just kidding. No, um, please do so. We need more of that. We need more of that. Um. I I picked this movie apart pretty viciously this time that I watched it. It really took the fun out of it for me. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for anything that like was supposed to possibly be enjoyable just like backfiring completely. Especially if it's like childhood nostalgia. Go back and ruin it for you as an adult. Just like totally. just like, you know, everything that adulthood does. Right. Just, steal the imagination and spirit right out of everything. Isn't that weird though? Because like, I feel like that could always go one of two ways. Like when you're thinking about nostalgic shit, when you're an adult, it's, it's never in the middle. It's either you're so miserable as an adult that something from your childhood is like all you have to possibly like sort of remain happy or, or, you're such an adult that it also makes you realize that something from your childhood just and straight up sucked. So it's yeah. like, I don't know. I, I always like for there to be a possibility of some type of middle ground. And that's not, that doesn't exist with that. It's always one or the other for me. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I mean, the only thing that brings something that, that ostensibly is dog shit back from the dead and pulls it into the redeemable camp is just where you were in your mind or whatever, when you saw it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess it depends on if your childhood was a good one or not, because childhood memories, um, you know, like a, a movie like this. Oh yeah. I remember this from, from my time as a, a kid or whatever, but that time sucked and I was trying to escape with this movie and then watching it later this movie sucks, so what's left? <laughs> Just a shitty childhood. <laughs> uh, well, let, I, I, I'm excited to get into this because, yeah, I, I don't like to spoil anything. So, well, let's, you guys will, let's you guys just, will hear, you guys will hear my thoughts. Nice. Well, let's just do it then. So, this is starring Christy Swanson, Matthew Labrato, Michael Sherritt, and Tom. 
and Twoomy. Well, I spit saying that. Twoomy and Anne Ramsey. Uh, and the synopsis is, uh, this is one that I wrote. A teenage prodigy resurrects his dead girlfriend by implanting the microprocessor of his destroyed robot BB into her brain, and the wacky hijinks ensue. I always like to, I always like to say that at the end of these sort of synopsises by by uh, punctuating these wild premises with the wacky hijinks that ensue. Um, the budget for this was eleven million dollars. Box office gross was. Eight, almost nine million. So, yes, it was a financial flop, not a terrible flop. It was generally critically panned. Uh, this was Wes Craven coming off the high of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series. I think at this point, you know, he was he was also in production and some stage of doing the Dream Warriors. So, and this is kind of getting into the trivia a little bit, but. This was one of Wes Craven's first, uh, like, studio movies. And a lot of the drawbacks or issues with this movie that resulted from was basically him. And this is usually the case with a lot of movies, especially with independent directors that engage with the studio system at the time is their original idea and vision is hamstrung, essentially by the litany of, like, studio bureaucrats that are trying to, like, get their their finger into the pie, so to speak. So... Their finger you know, into the pumpkin pie? Into the, yeah, as, into, as, the, as in, into the... Into the... In this movie. Yeah, the Halloween pumpkin pie. So, yeah, it was one of those things where maybe if it was created along the lines of the director and screenwriter's original vision, it might have been a um, more of a critically acclaimed movie. But who's to know? Because we didn't get that. We got this version of it. Um, I think, you know, I really, really, I enjoyed the concept of the story, you know, that there was this, you know, kind of this, the thing is like, Paul isn't, he's obviously a nerd, but he's a genius. He's not just like a nerd that just gets like bullied at school. But I think it's this idea of like this, like, I like the concept of this oddball teenager having, you know, this affection for his neighbor and then him going to such extreme lengths to, bring her back to life because he's in love with her. So like for me, and that's the thing I think with Craven is what he wanted to express through the movie is what I enjoyed about it from the beginning was that it is this weird, morbid love story. And that's what like Craven and the screenwriter wanted to express with the movie. And it just got all chopped up and fucking mixed around by the studio people getting involved. So when I think about this movie from my childhood, I think about that aspect of it. Not so much the fact that it's a horror movie. I won't deny that he's obviously like in love with his neighbor and that's like a motivating factor, but I have a slightly different I, – I got a slightly different take on that. Um, okay, well, well then you I go ahead. Like his, yeah, his, his motivation for 
bringing her back to life might have been partly that, but I think it was more so this like this ability to possibly have saved her in the first place and the fact that they gave up and pulled the plug before he could. It almost seems like he's more motivated by his own scientific genius. Like, so do you, do you see it as like a flex, like an intellectual yeah, flex? Yeah, I, I almost seem like – I almost saw it as like he's just like so obsessed with like what he knows he's capable of and that he wanted to like really just like almost like just because he can. Like like God, oh, this, no, this is not sitting well with me. Like I, I could have I could have made this right, you know. That's kind of like what I really got from it is like, as far as like why he did that. Yeah. He, so I'm kind of in the middle ground. He, he doesn't come off. His character isn't played in such a way that he seems arrogant. Really? I mean, there's that bit where he talks about how, uh, he's talking to Tom when they're doing the implant of BB's chip or whatever. He's like, I did enough brain surgery to make your head spin and all this stuff, but he really doesn't, he doesn't, brag so much and and almost i didn't think about this until you started talking about it adam but it almost gives me a feeling like pet cemetery where you know lewis is so um i guess hypnotized by the idea of bringing his wife back that he's going to do something that he has seen throughout the movie as a bad idea and take her to the pet cemetery he knows how it's going to go I mean, I don't know what he's expecting and putting like a kind of primitive robot's brain chip into a human being, (laughs) but it seems like it's coming from a little of both camps. He knows he can do it and he knows he thinks he should do it, but he, he doesn't really think through all the repercussions. There's, yeah, there's definitely morality there for sure. I, and I don't think that he's arrogant really, but I do think it's internal. Like he's internally is trying to prove himself. Um, and I think that's like a motivating factor in his, like, I think that just kind of describes his drive in general. I think he's like a person that probably is somewhat of a perfectionist. Hmm. Well, and yeah. that would make sense given that he is a teen pr- prodigy He's a teen right. neuroscientist. You know, you the wouldn't amount expect of discipline it would take to <laughs> to do what he does. Um, it almost makes you wish that you could see more about his backstory prior to them moving to this town. Well, oh, that's you, you, where you didn't, you didn't see the the first uh, twenty seconds of every episode of Doogie Hauser. That's basically <laughs> right. That's basically it. Well, yeah. that's where it's going to get real heavy in the questions for me with sure. this, but. Um, yeah so i mean if anything this story also i think it speaks to what you guys were kind of indicating you in particular maybe john where this is clearly one of those type of movies that pays an homage to the heritage of something like frankenstein you know this is another frankenstein kind of related tale of a man of a man of science trying to play God. Yep. I I also kind of I just jotted it down as a joke, but uh, supernatural ET is kind of where totally. what I was I was feeling probably because of the coming of age quality of it. 
Sometimes um, when I when I hear a new band, I like to think about like, okay, which two bands could have like had a child and this band would be the result. If yeah. we, as far as movies go, I feel like this could be like weird science meets Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I and I guess, you know, before we go into it more with, you know, the the main section of the show, a lot of my issues upon reflecting and watching this this time is the fact that to me this movie didn't lean heavy enough into the supernatural aspect to make a lot of these ideas plausible on the screen. It's just like it's like there was a scale issue where it's like, okay, if this is supposed to be plausible at all, you either need to develop it at such a large scale as far as like what's going into like him being able to create something like uh you know, a Samantha that is a robotic AI hybrid, or it needs to lean more into the supernatural or original concept in Frankenstein, which we'll get more into when we talk about like this, about how maybe it could have went that way and it just didn't. Anyways. Before we go into like the good, bad, and the questionable or whatever, like I don't want to get into that too much, but I will say that like being the first time watching this, like I, I had an I had an enjoyable experience watching it. I, I certainly also- it's it certainly sideswiped me. I didn't see the the uh, BB robot coming in there like that. <laughs> I you mentioned ET earlier, Brandon. I yeah, I got like a, a different vibe from other Wes Craven movies with this because it's got this like it's obviously got like a, a frightening aspect to it, but it's got this like wholesome like almost like Goonies ET e. type like children's Absolutely. movie feel to it too. Like there there's plenty of like you know, like happy music in the score. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's like a warm comforting movie at the same time as being like a, a terrifying horror movie. Like, yeah. Right. And it's all because of those undertones. That's good. So that's, uh, that's our segue into the good, the bad and the questionable. You little chicks. Sunburn. Baby. I'm calling the police. Damn sheds. kick it off here big fan of young christy swanson so got kind of i had kind of a little bit of a kid crush on her Mm -hmm. so and i i really do i still like her in this movie despite the horror of a human being she went on to become (laughs) yeah i'm I'm, I'll, i'll be honest that i'm i'm scared of everything about her now yeah she's She's a she's pretty rough, man. <laughs> I, I, to the point where I would love to see her get her entire face decapitated by a basketball. Now, I was going to say one of the other things I like about this movie is 
Anne Ramsey, the throw mama from the train lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. Owen! Owen, you little poop. Give me a soda. Yeah. That she's, isn't your cousin, Patty. You don't have a cousin, Patty. Yeah, you know, I didn't even I didn't even mention the Goonies on purpose, but she actually isn't also in the Goonies. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah, she's a tor- she's probably her they, mo- the Tortelli family. Yeah, that might be her most famous or most iconic role. I would. That's where think. I recognized her, but that's not even why I I dropped the Goonies reference earlier. I didn't even think about that until now. Yeah, she's she's the mom of of the of the the go- the goons the goons and the Goonies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, with with what you said about Christy Swanson, I just, I put down that I liked the casting of the main kid characters. Um yeah. I like Paul. Yeah. I, I thought Paul had a uh, a good kind of atmosphere about him for being the young prodigy or whatever. He didn't annoy the shit out of me as a lot of these whiz kids do in movies. Um the girl yeah, he's door, a very He's a very e- easily digestible character, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I think yeah. Matt, Matthew Labrato does a, a fine job, and uh, I don't know if you guys realize this. This was his last uh, role in a feature length. So I, didn't I saw know that. that he didn't. Yeah, didn't he didn't go that. on to do much after this. Um, you guys may have recognized him. I don't know if you did or not, but he he he's best known for me from being from um, Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. I so he's that. always played kind of a wholesome kid, I think, in most of his roles. And you're right. He plays a teen prodigy in a way that he, where I think that was the whole point is he's they're trying to con- convey that he's just like every other kid. He's just also a genius. He's just like a normal kid. He just likes to do normal things, but he also, you know, can build robots and do brain surgery. <laughs> yeah i mean t- typically typically and people like that there's some kind of major flaw in their social skills or something but that might come up a little bit later in the questionable so i, I will i will put a pin in that for now well yeah he clearly does have a flaw that we'll discuss with his drive to bring this girl back to life at all costs <laughs> Despite how how absolutely um, absurd the methodology may be, sure. So, you know, and that's kind of like my. I have the thing is with this movie. As much as there are things I like about it, those things that I like about it just create more questions for me about the circumstances. You know that m- could possibly make this plot in any way, you know, in any way, a reality. The the story itself is absolutely bonkers. You have to go into this completely suspended from disbelief because there's no fucking way somebody is going to hijack a dead girl from the hospital, put, I don't know. Do, do anything with her body, and, I don't know. That diversion they created was pretty convincing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get too far into it yet, but what you're asking of an audience in a movie like this is to put them into an unbelievable shit show mess. And then somehow with the story elements, walk it back to the point where it's palatable. 
to your yeah. sensibilities or whatever. Right. And and I guess that's the thing is just while we're having this discussion, while we ask these questions, when we're, you know, analyzing these movies, how much does it work where you're creating a fantastical scenario um, that like some of the absurd aspects don't take you out of it? And I guess like right. one thing I was thinking about when I was watching this was, you know, how, and I wanted to have open this up to you guys is how would you rewrite this movie in a way where it seemed to resolve some of those issues? And maybe we can get into that as we go along. But that being said, I want to keep talking about the things that I do like about it. And, um, I think, again, a lot of it is, like, everything that I say I like about it opens up a question about, like, what, you know, that I have further down the down the line about it. But, like, I do like this 80s trope of the teen genius because I don't think that that is something that necessarily gets explored as much. Do you notice that? Like, there's certain just tropes that happen in the 80s that maybe don't get explored as much now, let's say, in film. And, like, what would be the difference yeah. between now and then? Yeah, I see that. I, I think that, I think that the, 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 the teenius, the teen genius of the 80s is a little more fantastical than, say, the 90s or later. Because if you want to go back just a couple of movies, Brain Scan, you could say Eddie Furlong's character was somewhat of a genius. I mean, he's right. a computer whiz at very least. But they really don't exp- – it's not very grandiose <laughs> – this kid is like, like you say, he's like fucking Frankenstein or something. I feel like from my observations, like you kind of noticed a shift where there's like a few instances in the 80s where, you know, they they want to really kind of like empower the main young character mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. And then it almost, it almost shifts into, okay, we're going to have the main young character be like a person that is not taken seriously and basically like made to feel miserable because you know they're they're not believed they're not being believed by adults or just there's not really much empowerment in that character almost like i i I kind of notice like a shift over time where it's like the focus isn't really on empowering the youngest main character as much it seems so i kind of like it's it's refreshing to go back and watch a movie like this in a way because it's like the main character is not being shit on or like you know gaslighted essentially it's more like the main character kind of has a lot of control over what happens in this movie do you think a part of it's also like just like almost like trying to like just i mean obviously i know that it's like a like a rated r like movie so it's not like geared towards kids necessarily but do you think that also part of this is just like kind of trying to nab that younger audience in a way where it's like the same way they do superheroes like you want kids to like idolize superheroes they want to be like them they want to be able to like take a giant hammer and smash apart a skyscraper you know like um you know like you want kids to look up to this character and be like oh like i that that's like something I wish I could do is build well, a robot. You yeah, know, t- I mean, take for example, same year this was made, Short Circuit. 
you know? Yeah. Another movie that is very, very similar in that, let's see, there's another one. I want to see where it is. Yeah, 87, batteries not included. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. just, just robots in general, having cool tinker toys, that totally sucks in a young audience. Well, that totally. was another thing I was going to say about this that I do like is it also plays into that, which seemed to be a more prevalent trope, was the idea of robots being, you know, somehow integral to the lives of humans or having some sort of relationship to humans beyond being merely functional. You know what I'm saying? So there's yeah. that as well. Like, obviously, BB is Paul's friend. BB, despite the fact that BB is a robot, is highly de- is highly developed AI. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a thing. And I mean, it's a thing now. There's clearly a lot of um, anxiety currently about AI. <laughs> yeah. So as there you know, fucking should be. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. I, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been blowing that Skynet horn for years and years, pretty much my whole adult life. How could you not, dude? This is like, this is a classic, this is maybe the prototype for what could possibly go wrong is AI. Like it all starts with that. What could possibly go wrong if we invent machines that are smarter than us? Well, and it's been prophesized through every science fiction piece of lore. It's also, but see, that's the thing is that it's like, it's so, it's like in, as a kid, you're made to believe that that's science fiction. But as you get older, every second that you get older, to me, it just seems more and more plausible. Yeah. So it's like, Jesus Christ, I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. <laughs> at the same time, I love, at the same time, I love this stuff. So it's okay. Uh, yeah, you probably love it because it's so close to reality. Dude, we're we're living in a time where I could be having a conversation with my wife and all of a sudden Alexa just doesn't doesn't know to just mind her own goddamn business and just start start trying to tell me what something about what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, well, I'm trying to tell you how to live. <laughs> yeah. It's like either. it's like I could mention like a fire extinguisher to my wife. And Alexa's like, fire extinguishers are available at the Menards on Randall Road. No, and it's like, no. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that thing in my house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I so, mean, that's the thing. It is It is interesting to know that there are certain aspects that were prophesized by science fiction that, yes, we do live amongst in this day and age. But then there's a lot that, for me, I was like, Shouldn't we have these by now? Like, where are the flying cars? <laughs> Moving on, uh, let me just address the elephant in the room here. Basketball to the face. I love that. My last big good was... Everything else kind of revolves around... <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because you were talking about I was going to say you were talking about how punchable uh, Anne Ramsey's face is well it's it's (laughs) that punchable you just punch right through it with a fucking basketball (laughs) Uh, John you go ahead then you you said you got a a list of goods just rattle them off then I'll rattle them off 
I'll rattle them off. Um, well, I, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but just like the setting in general, like I really like any movie I can just ease into as just kind of like a wholesome, like neighborhood suburban setting. You know, it's like a a horror movie, but I feel like I'm watching like the burbs (laughs) at the same time, you know, so it's it's cool. I I really like that. I really like the musical score. You know, it kind of like switches between like just like friendly family to to horror movie. But just all throughout the movie, I liked the score. I like the I like both death scenes. I really liked Christy Swanson as the robot. I thought that she did a pretty damn good job. Um, kind of, kind of, kind of a challenging, probably for her at least. Like, at, in seeing as that she doesn't really have other roles like that, kind of a challenging, kind of a challenging role, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that I think what is is needed for somebody who's never seen this is not props on Christy Swanson for playing the the robot. Props on her for playing the robot zombie. You know, that aspect, <laughs> right. her cold look and her just um, uh, unavailability, no no reception to anything said or touch or anything. Um, it's better explained when you realize that she's also dead and and trying to use this robots algorithm to re-feel what feeling is movie i um because I, when i think of christy swanson i don't think of like a gifted actress right. not saying she's not saying she's not but it's just not the first it's not like you know i think of like a susan sarandon or like a, a fucking what's that idiot's name meryl streep you know sure. <laughs> well, and, and i i just i want to now that we're talking about this, a good for me is is the general idea going on. There's a lot of things going on where when you start the movie, you certainly don't see it going in the direction that it's it ends up. But yeah. I, I really appreciate the ambition and the effort to make something that's a little out of the box while still br- roping in things that people love. You know, people love sci-fi. They love living dead stories or whatever. And they love coming of age stories. Um, yeah, I read that. Trashed by the studios. Then how it was just, mm-hmm. the, it was completely mangling his original intent. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, bad. even with, even with that said, it still has, um, markers of his his touch on the film. Uh, yeah, and I like you know for what it's worth, I like that. I think that this movie is just not an easy sell to somebody that is trying to take something serious. That's what I think. Um, when it comes to this movie, I think that like it's it's in my opinion, it's it's a good movie. I don't think it's bad. I like it. It's 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 just not like on paper. It's just not a movie that people that a lot of people are gonna like. Yeah, I don't know it's kind of it can it can sort of be confusing. I mean, if you were to take the first 
20 to 30 minutes of the film and not have read any of the reviews or saw the previews or anything, you wouldn't expect it to end how it does or even go in that direction at all, you know? Yeah. Um, so you've got this, oh, yeah, this is like a kid's movie and there's, you know, cool, fun, cute robot. And then you get into this, in the middle section of the movie, this like, oh, horrifying father figure um, next door. And then that seems like that's going to be the horrifying element. But then where it ends up is is nothing like either of those things. So it's it's kind of it's kind of a fucking mess in that regard. Well, it would be probably hard to sell to anyone. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that's where a lot of people's issues are with this movie is it's fairly schizophrenic because it had been, mm-hmm. it had passed through so yeah. many hands trying to trying to make sense of you know something some finished product that would make everybody happy and be able to be marketable yeah. to a larger audience at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I as much as I laud the um the effort for making this movie um and the ambition that it probably took to your question earlier about how would I think this movie could be better is to either completely throw out one or the other element, make it supernatural yeah. or make it science fiction. I mean, yeah. you know, Frankenstein is a melding of the two, but they spend too much time on one and not the other to sell either point for me. If we're on the subject of like inconsistencies in like the approach, like I just want to say, Brandon, you mentioning like the horrific abusive father, that's actually something I want to touch on when we get into the bad. Okay. Well, um, well that but, being said, yeah. Yeah, let's get there. Let's go, let's go into it. You talk about you talk about this aspect of it that makes it bad right. for you. All right. Well, let me just say that this this I might be coming into this with somewhat of a bias, um, just because I do have a I do have a four year old daughter. Okay, so yeah. But I mean, I think it's a, I think I think it's important to like obviously explain why we get certain things out of these movies, even from a personal standpoint. You know, the reason that I consider it a bad is because of the fact that that ended up being by far the most unpleasant, uncomfortable, and terrifying part aspect of this movie is like right. this home life of of Sam, right? Right. So it creates an it's it creates an imbalance that I'm not going to deny that it's like well a well done part of the movie, but at the same time, like that imbalance shouldn't be in a movie like this because you your goal in this movie whether they admit it or not your goal is really to make the robot murdering people the scary part of the movie yeah yeah it's right it pulls you in too many directions by throwing in dramatic element of shitty father right so when you've got this like abusive drunk literally killing his daughter Right. But like before that, you know, she's obviously traumatized and has this like miserable reality. And like I said, that just makes me sick to my stomach in general. But um, I don't mind that being in a movie. I can handle all kinds of fucked up shit in movies. But that was just way too fucked up in contrast to 
what really seems much milder in the rest of the movie and could have been a focal point for like the terror, but just didn't land for me because of that. That makes sense. So So I consider, I consider that actually a major misstep for this one. So let me ask you this. This goes back to what I was saying about like, if you were rewriting this movie, how would you resolve that being an issue in relationship to the rest of the plot. So obviously you need to have some sort of device that moves the plot along in a matter where Sam gets killed. Okay. Cause she needs to yeah. be resurrected through, you know, Paul hybridizing her as an AI. So how would you resolve that then? Because that's another thing too. I think like Craven was trying to express in the movie was, the monsters in the story weren't like the robot. The monsters were the the, the adults, is what he was saying. All of the adults, but, right? Yeah, you All you have a, you make a good point. You make a good point to why it is necessary. Because I was initially, when you were asking your question just now, I was initially ready to come back with, okay, we'll just take that aspect out of the movie and have Sam die in like a car accident or something, right? And I you was going mean? to say that would be the way to resolve that. Yes. That would be, but you also bring up a point that is making me think twice about that in the fact that like illustrating the real evils of this movie as just the the regular people in the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is, is good, but, but at the same time, now I have to go back again because does this movie need such a deep point like that? I don't think so. No, I mean, it okay. just needs clear, it needs clear bad guys, clear bad yeah. guys who are people who this robot through channels of this resurrected girl can go after and the audience go, yeah, okay. He's on the hit list, the bully, the fucking shitty neighbor, the drunk dad or whatever. I mean, if if they can, I think they probably could have had, you know, evil, bad people in the neighborhood get killed by this robot without going into such an extreme as like the abusive father. I mean, look at the movie Gremlins, for example. That's what's popping into my head right now. Like, the Gremlins take out that shitty-ass lady that owns the bank, you know? Right. Um, I mean, she's obviously terrible, but they don't, like, go in deep into, like, child abuse to, like, get that point across, you know? Like, so I think the neighbor, actually, like, him killing the, the you know, whatever that crazy lady is with the gun. Like, Elvira. I think that was pretty smart. Elvira. Yeah, yeah Parker. Elvira. Yeah, yeah, Elvira. Like, I think that was fine, you know? I just think that the entire um, subplot of of Christie's home life just <laughs> – I'm calling her Christie – of Sam's home life just really they, – they should have taken that part out and redirected it. So it life. makes me wonder if that was an element of Wes Craven's writing that was left in not touched by the studios – because obviously it harkens back to another child fucking killer that we know of in West Craven lore. You know, I mean, it's yeah. interesting to me that this bothers you that much, but that doesn't bother you that much. I guess because the movie is predicated around this horrific person. Yeah. And I, well, no, it's not just that they, I mean, up until the remake, which I don't regard as much of anything, which we can get into in another episode, maybe, um, but up until the remake, they never really, really touched on like the the 
the darkness of like Freddy's actual interaction with the, the children that he murdered. Mm-hmm. Like they really didn't, they didn't show any flashback scenes. They didn't really talk about him being a child molester at any point in the series. No, I mean, yeah. I, I, my argument when people want to lambast the new film is when have you ever heard of a child murderer who doesn't have a sexual agenda, but it is established that Kruger it is, is a okay, child is murderer, right? It is established, but they do very cleverly avoid making that the deep, the deep, like they, they avoid diving deep into that. So you can still have a very comical kind of larger than life main villain. That's almost like a beloved, I mean, he is a beloved character, whether you like, you don't love or hate Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger is just God. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. So they avoid diving deep into what Freddy is, even though it's established. So, sure. so I think that if they were to, if they were to take a different approach, I mean, like Freddy as a as a beloved villain would lose all of its charm. And I mean, I'm I'm glad that they they never did that. Otherwise, otherwise it wouldn't have a post. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been Freddy Krueger for Halloween if he was a child molester. Or, I mean, <laughs> that, but that like, is an inter- Yeah, that's an interesting thing to analyze. That it's like it's more acceptable for us to think of a villain that is a murderer than just somebody that say puts his penis in someone. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now. Anybody that even so much as touches a kid in any type of violent way is a piece of shit that should get decapitated. But at the same time, when you, when you, whether it's kids or adults, if you remove any kind of sexual abuse out of the equation, I mean, I, I could kill my worst enemy. I could never rape my worst enemy. You know, that, that, that's where it comes down to. Like, like, I, I could I could fantasize about like shooting someone in the head that I don't like. I would never ever go anywhere else with that, you know. Like that's just yeah a whole different type of uh, violation. Right, and I, I guess that that is interesting psychologically to think about that. As far as like if you're going to be philosophical about the ethics of one or the other, you would think that by ending someone's life, that is far greater of a grievance than than violating somebody who then is able to go on and live life yeah i don't know i i think that like the idea of just like reading the world of someone you don't like or have to kill for some reason is like far more able to be related to than like putting someone's brain through turmoil and having them have to suffer with that internally for the rest of their life. Well, that's that. I mean, I think right there is the point. One is definite. It's infinite. You killed someone, they're gone. That's it. The other is a lifetime of torture, you know? Totally. And like they, they show Freddie killing many people across the series, which is great. We love it. Right. We would not even we would not even for one second 
be speaking of the movies in the same manner if he were like molesting kids in these movies if he or was if they were ra- even like raping numerous people throughout the series <laughs> yeah. yeah i love Freddy Krueger that rapist he's awesome that's the thing is yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't love him in the same way you might appreciate the fact that he is a malevolent evil person because he's doing the most vile thing to your sensibilities but you wouldn't you wouldn't, like you said, wear his costume at Halloween or something. Um, yeah, and I mean, also, like, you would, I mean, I'll just, I mean, I can't say anything to this because it didn't happen, but, like, I don't think I could digest eight movies of of a guy in a green sweater, like, raping kids. The, like, the Chronicles I, I, of a Pedophile? Yeah, like... I don't, I don't, I really don't think that I could, I could digest that even in one movie, let alone eight. Yeah. Um, well, there's really not a lot of them out there unless you go real fringe indie films. Do they center around complete pedophiles? So I think that you're not the only one. I mean, most of the um, Western world at least doesn't want to see that shit either or even think of it. Exactly. So, I mean, the fact that they go deep into this, uh, you know, abusive relationship between Sam and her father. I'm just wrapping this up here. That 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 subplot would would be far more appropriate for like a movie about this type of thing. That you know yeah. was was not a, a sci-fi Wes Craven horror movie. I guess again, I'm just I would just be interested in seeing how you would rectify that in creating a vengeful resurrected being it just doesn't seem to have quite as much of like a of a punch to it if she just got hit by a car and then they resurrect her and then she's just going around killing people in the neighborhood that are shitty i feel like it's kind of integral to her character that she is like a spirit of vengeance that's driven by a hatred for her father and like yeah. that's one of her main victims you know, that she goes for first that's a, off. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good sell. Yeah, I I, right. I I see what you're saying. Yeah, but I could I could see it another way. Maybe this is kind of um, digressing too much. But say that she got hit by somebody in a car and it was totally an accident. You know, I could yeah. see the I could see the movie spinning this narrative of, okay, she goes after the shitty neighbor. Um, who else does she kill that's a piece of shit besides her dad? That's basically that's it, it, right? That's, that's it. it. She just kills two okay. people. So or, right. Or so say say there's some other shitbag in the in the that replaces dad in the movie, goes after that person, but then going after the person who killed her, even though it was an accident, that could kind of spin the narrative of, okay, well, robotics has one track mind. Yeah, There's no right. nuance there. You know, now you're killing people yeah. that really don't deserve to be killed. And that could spin it in a totally different way. But clearly this is all hypothetical. And so I don't, I don't even know if you'd want to go that way. But that could be interesting um, if that were the case. You know, I, I could see that. Well, I, was a- I would watch a movie like that. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting way to spin it. And I was going to correct you. She also kills Paul. That's that's the theoretical. Yeah, that's ending. that's like the third. Yeah, yeah. but so. I, that would actually be interesting and also hilarious if somebody hit her <laughs> by accident and was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry!" Like, 
feels terrible, traumatized, and then they come back and kill her. What the fuck were you doing? Right. Yeah. And then while you're right. at it, go kill the fucking ice cream man and the guy who plays Santa at the mall and, you know, whoever else. Yeah. Why not? Sick. Just kill the whole neighborhood. Um, <clears throat> as far as other bads for me, I was going to say, this is also a bygone trope that you don't see as much. When it's like this obvious, it's hilarious. When you have like 30-year-olds playing teenagers so like yeah. the 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 bullies they're all very clearly adult men. <laughs> yeah. The bu- the bullies actually are on my bad. I think they're fucking lame. Especially that one. Lame. I think he's even, he's not even he's not even named, but he's just got this sick mullet and just, you know, looking mean with his sunglasses or whatever. It's just like the worst I don't know, just ragtag well, just throw some shades on him and put him on a motorbike. He's a bad boy. You know? You know how you know how when they like they make jokes like, okay, obviously like stereotypes are terrible, right? So but like like let's say that like you know, like obviously we have like the token like ethnic stereotype in many different forms in America, right? Yeah. But when they it's like when they when they ask when they say, okay, like what do you think an American sounds like? Right. Or what do you think like, you know, what's your your typical American stereotype? And it's always something like very funny, you know, like to yeah. us, obviously. It's like, that's like what I picture like the writing room coming up with this, this cast of bullies. Yeah. Like, shit, we don't, we don't really know what bullies are like. Like, what do we think? What do we think bullies look like? Right. Some flannels and motorbikes. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's bad. But it's also indicative of, of children like having a good time riding motorbikes. Okay, what else can we do? Put shades on them. Give them mullets. Greasy hair. Yeah. Sounds like something out of like a Nerf commercial or something. Yeah, that was lame. Um, Adam, do you, do you have all of my bads pretty much I can just rattle off. Do you have more uh, in-depth bads? Well, I have a couple more, but I wanted to touch upon the whole thing that you were just saying with the bullies. That was something that uh, Pat and I would continually point out with movies is you'd have what is, what we call the central casting, like community theater people that they just threw in, like that represented the gang or the punks. Yeah. And they're always just the most not accurate representations <laughs> of yeah. these demographics. Right. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, what you said, this this Hollywood idea of what a punk is or what a bully is or what a gang member is. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, you you see this in these movies and you're thinking like this literally doesn't exist. This doesn't <laughs> exist. Like, so like, right. So like a, an example like I think a good bully in a movie is Johnny Lawrence from the first karate kid. Because oh, he, hell yeah. his he's he's got a rivalry with this kid. There's some kind of like reason that they are in each other's um, atmosphere to make a bully type of aspect. You're the interloper. You're also, you know, somewhat into martial arts. Well, fuck you. We're going to stomp you into the ground or whatever. This kind of thing where it's like, Oh, here's a nerd just wandering around. And then these kids that are like 10 years older than him, just roll up and whoa! You got a robot? Fuck you! Kind of shit. Like, that <laughs> and they look like make any they look sense. Like the punks in like they look like the punks from like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon right. show. Um, yeah, 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 totally. 
the, right. the central casting actors that they pulled to yeah. kind of fill things in. <laughs> yeah. E- even, even like, even a movie or a book, even like it, um, yeah. um, Henry Bowers, the, 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 or Ace Merrill, you know, a classic Stephen King bully. Those kids, uh, what makes a difference though, is it shows their background. They come from a real fucked up, background where it's like you've got to fight to survive whereas this yeah. you have no background on these kids no understanding or reason why they're dicks and you know why they all have motorcycles i mean <laughs> Cause, whatever because that's what bad kids have they have motorcycles man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i still i still think that even in real life i see a group of people on motorcycles i'm like fuck these guys right I don't think of that uh, because they're bad. I okay. just think at this point it's like dudes that have motorcycles are lame. <laughs> uh, all all uh, bike bullies are bastards. A B B A B. Right? A B A B B. A B B. B B. B B. Okay, moving on. Um milk con- the milk consumption, that sucks. Uh, you know how I feel about. Oh, here we go with milk. the milk consumption again. Yeah, there's quite <laughs> a bit of milk in this discussion. Movie. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> um, Dad's look of horror when he's getting killed. His just, I don't know, just hype, hyperbolic eyeball movements and face um, gesturing <laughs> bothered the shit yeah. out of me. Didn't like it. Uh, dad's alibi <laughs> sucks dick too well if she would have cleaned up her dang toys off them stairs she never would have tripped you know right. <laughs> I mean right. seriously right. she's a fucking grown ass you know uh, well she's approaching a grown ass adult she's yeah. got I think, he, I think he says I think he says I told her to clean up the toys <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say toys but if she would have cleaned up her stuff off the stairs she would have never tripped Come on, yeah. guy. That that is a fucking lay. You had a, a certain amount of time to come up with something, and I mean, it could have been anything. Could have been she just fucking tripped. You didn't have to say any reason why. Didn't have to implicate yourself or anything. That's what he comes up with. <laughs> fucking lame. The 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 signs of a total drunk. Um. Oh, the scene where. Tom goes, do you know what time, do you even know what time it is? And then he picks up the alarm clock and shows everybody. (laughs) Dude, while, while you're, while we're on the subject of this, I guess this, this was in my quote section, but I'm just going to throw it in now as a bad, um, when they first move into the house, you hear the dad say, God damn it. Where did she put that bottle of mine? That little bitch. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I just felt like there's so many ways you can introduce this character into the movie and like get get the you know basically show the audience that there's an abusive <laughs> drunk that lives next door and overhearing a quote like that is really the laziest and easiest way to it's, do that. It's it's very much low hanging fruit, and it makes me wonder if they were trying to so early in the movie set up the scene where he dies when he sees his bottle on the step or whatever. Ooh, there it is. He finds it <laughs> fucking days later. You know, to the reveal of his dead child killing him or whatever. I think I think that they're just trying to establish very, right away, like, uh oh, 
he's got a neighbor that's that's an abusive drunk yeah. and it's like it's like okay i you did that that you definitely accomplished that but in a very very cringy easy lazy way so yeah. that's that's just right. something i picked up on right away i'm like really yeah um I'm I'm half I'm more than halfway there, so I'm just gonna finish up my bads because I can finish them quick. The pacing sucks. I think we all agree on that. I mean, they spend too much time on one thing when they should be spending it on something else. No matter if you think it should lean towards sci-fi or supernatural, um, I fucking hate BB's mumbling. BB, BB, and and with that, I also hate when when they indicate that BB is kind of taking over the reanimated body by Sam screaming BB when he fucking throws the, Oh, the bully. That's another throws the bully into the window. Um, and then lastly, I fucking hate Sam's dream sequence about old bad Pappy. It's just lame. Too fantastic. I had in my questions about the, the 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 BB voice. So I'll talk yeah. about that when we get in, in into okay. into the question. Brandon, I'm with you on I'm with you on that dream sequence. I I totally agree. It's totally lame. Totally lame. Lame. She she stabs him with what a piece of vase and well can't hurt daddy unless daddy says <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? Here's the last thing: the plan. Okay. The plan that is fucking just fundamentally flawed from the beginning and i know that paul's like oh fuck i'm fucking it up i'm an hour late and all this stuff but his plan i mean okay he's gonna reanimate her and then she's just gonna live in his garage i <laughs> you know it's it's a fucking horrible plan unless it went in an et direction and he's gonna i don't know set her free or send her off to somewhere where she doesn't have to be in modern you know society or he doesn't have to ever have to explain anything does he really is he thinking that he's going to just keep sam in his mom's garage you know that's uh right just a just a fucking terrible plan from the beginning which i would excuse if they showed more like pet cemetery if they showed paul's madness about the whole thing but they don't. It's just, oh, hey, I'm smart. This is something I could do. You know, I just don't buy it and I don't like it. So that's right it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I'm done. A lot of what, what you're talking about being bad is just, it's yes, it's bad for me, but also just it leads to questions about further how to rewrite this in a way that yeah. evens out some of these inconsistencies like that in the plot. And I said, you know, one of my bads is the plot only works if it's scaled up to involve more of the sci-fi aspect of it, or as I was saying, it shifts more to the supernatural aspect of it. So that's bad for me. Yeah. Uh, the ending is terrible, and that was like well established by a lot of people. After the, that ending is horrible and is very tacked on doesn't make any oh, sense yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, it's so bad that I actually just erased it from my mind. Um <laughs> I but I I concur. Also terrible. Dog shit. Yeah. Bad ending. Um one little bad I have and then we can move on. Did you guys really pay attention to the way the kids are playing basketball together? 
No, no, it's not I, how anybody I, would play basketball. Well, BB's BB is also playing, right? Yes, BB's playing yeah. as well. But yeah, the way I've they're playing it's basketball, a... it's it's very stiff. There's no actual athleticism whatsoever to it. They're just kind of like ha ha ha, and they're hopping around and not. <laughs> they're not playing basketball. They're just kind of throwing the ball at each other and laughing. <laughs> it remind yeah, it reminds me of how like a group of like three or four year olds would just play with a ball. Yes, like <laughs> not, exactly not even knowing thought. that they're playing a sport. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> uh, okay, those are my bad. It's, al- it, it's almost a- like it's almost like you put an algorithm into a robot about how to play basketball. You know? Right, but then it got extrapolated to everybody playing basketball around BB. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Are you Mon- trying to Mon- play Mon- basketball like BB does? Is that yeah. it? <laughs> monkey see, monkey see, monkey do. This must be how you do it. He's a fucking robot, right? <laughs> he knows better than All us. All right. All right. Any other yeah. bads? Because we got a lot of questions to get through. Yeah, I'm excited to rattle off mine. I've only got five. Okay. Well, then I'll start it off. And this goes back to the scaling up of like things to make a little bit more sense of this plot. But my first question is, how can Paul afford to build BB? Is he getting funding? (laughs) Is he getting university funding? Because... I I, I was kind of leaving that for you that I I thought I just missed something. But that's a great question. (laughs) I mean... um. Does he are they independently wealthy? Does it ever explain where dad is in the picture? Was he like a multimillionaire or something? Right. That opens up all these like backstory questions about Paul and his mother, because his mother clearly they're of not modest means, but they're like comfortably middle class in the eighties, right? You know? But not enough that like this yeah. guy has like some sort of just endless amount of money that would go into the R&D and the parts to be able to build BB, uh, a pretty advanced robot for the time. Okay, Uh so how do you answer that one? I don't know. (laughs) They drive a fucking Volkswagen minivan to cart him around in. You'd think they'd be driving like a Mercedes or something if he's got that much money. Well, I have kind of like an extension of of your question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's like this kid invents the first ever AI robot. Yeah. And honestly, no one fucking cares. Right. <laughs> the, dude, the, dude, the dude's able to cart this thing around and people – the biggest reaction is just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. kid's got yeah. a robot. This when dude, he meets Tom, dude. when he meets Tom and he fucking endos off his bike doing nothing <laughs> – and and then he, and then he's whoa! What is that? That's a robot. Well, where did you buy him? I built it. Oh, okay. Just like move on to the next yeah, thing. Exactly, and that's kind of like the. I mean, obviously, like he's enrolled in this college and he's like a genius. They don't they don't shy away from the fact of of pointing that out, and that he's obviously like on the verge of like scientific discovery, even more so with these professors. But like, dude. This kid would be on fucking like Good Morning America, like I know. this kid, like 
this this kid would be famous. This kid would not yes. be just like, hey, like, you know, I'm I'm the kid in the neighborhood that built that robot. I certainly right. don't think that he would be getting bullied by people. You know, right. they would probably be trying to get his autograph and shit. He would probably already be in like some type of like maximum security house. You know, yes, like being okay. kept away from. I mean, this dude would probably be living in some sort of like laboratory community away from society yes. with this invention. Yes. And like he would like, already be famous. Like for this for this <laughs> thing to have been invented, like aside from the fact that he invented it by himself, which is like your question, Adam, it's like, where is the fucking fame? Where's the where's yeah. the actual recognition one would right. deserve by creating this like unbelievably futuristic thing right because the thing is like yeah and it's a big 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 question because it's it's like paul is not only one of the greatest robotic engineers of his time but he is also a brain surgeon this kid would be set (laughs) for life he wouldn't be going to college he would literally be on like the research and development team of like the u.s military yeah, if they had him living on site <laughs> with NASA, then that would make more sense. Right. You know? So that's what I mean. So it's like, I understand, like, the 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 main point of this whole movie is he's just supposed to be, like, a suburban kid that, like, has the same sort of wants and desires of a normal kid, but he's clearly not a normal kid and wouldn't live under these normal circumstances. So... How do you fix I this? Mean, <laughs> I mean, literally, we have we have a government that would not allow this kid to have a normal life if he invented right. this fucking thing. Like precisely. Yeah, I mean, he would literally be on the cover of like fucking Forbes or something. Well, well, <laughs> like he probably no one would know about it. They would buy the they would buy the patent and then they would kill him in a car accident <laughs> or something or shut it down. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. a realistic. A realistic, a more realistic approach would be to him for him to have the life of the kid in blank check once he once he cashes the check. Yeah. You know when he's got like that that like he's like yeah you know I invented this robot the government paid me out for it and now I'm just rich. Right. That yeah. Would, right. That would make a little more sense. Um. But <clears throat> so going back to what you were saying about BB's voice, that led me to the question of. Of all the ways you could program BB to sound, why would BB sound like that? Why would BB sound like a gremlin, <laughs> a mumbling gremlin that no one can understand? BB that no one can BB. understand. Yeah, why wouldn't now, BB I just su- speak like a human? I don't know. I had subtitles, so I was able to the subtitles caught what BB was saying, but I don't know if you're supposed to. You're supposed to know. Well, no, I, I had know. the subtitles on too. And a lot of the time, BB just gibbers with the occasional BB, like BB statement. mumbling, yeah, BB mumbling, <laughs> and and that go, that kind of that kind of goes into what we were talking about up top with, you know, John, your thought of him doing it just because he could, and then me saying that it's like an intellectual flex. If this, if BB is an intellectual flex, why would he make it sound like a, a moronic child? You know, BB. <laughs> 
like you would think you would want it to be really eloquent in the way it speaks yeah. so that you could, you know, kind of sell the product, sell the brand or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that's just like a, like an 80, an eighties cliche at play that took over the writing room. Yeah. You know? It's it's, it's, yeah. Try, it's trying to make BB seem fun and approachable for kids. Right. Right. Let's have the robot have- sound like a crazy robot. Yeah, well, and I think that's where we have another instance of a movie three in a row where the the movie suffers from this identity crisis of should this be a kids movie or should this be a horror movie? Like with Best of the Best, should the, this be a kids movie or is it like you know uh, a hard boiled action sports movie right. with brain scan again? Is this a horror movie or is this a kids movie? Yeah. Where you have this identity crisis that's not resolved within the story, the representation of the story. Right. Um, okay. Obviously, the mechanics surrounding implanting a computer processor into someone's brain and making it work neuro- neurologically and, and, and physiologically is drastically simplified in this. <laughs> And that's, again, where I have the issues of it not going one way or the other. It's So in the story that this is based off of, Sam is brought to life through lightning, like Frankenstein. To me, that is more plausible, because you're leaning more into just the supernatural chance of, you know, an act of God creating this being. But this doesn't like this doesn't work. Where you can't just open up somebody's brain cap or skull cap and then put a microprocessor in there and then boop, there you go. They're they're charged up and ready to go. There's nothing about it that makes any sense as far yeah. as like animating Sam. Right. I, I also I also love that this movie came out in 1986, almost two decades before wireless. <laughs> everything was wireless like i yeah. i love the the wire the wireless processor that that goes into like yeah. i don't know I just, right that's I good that was the, the like, whole to, right yeah. the whole brain surgery part was funny it's like oh just lift up this little bit of skin on the head and there's the brain no skull to worry about nothing you know yeah <laughs> it's right there nothing about no gray matter so there's that um here's some like more just nitpicky questions as opposed to the more grander issues with the story itself. Um, So there's a part where um, Paul, you know, he knocks out his mom so they can go and, and they can, they can go get Sam and, and, and fulfill the task. And then he thinks that like his mom is dead, but he doesn't just check her pulse. I thought this guy was a genius. I thought he was a brain surgeon. Just check her pulse. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, he's just like tapping her, like mom, mom, <laughs> mom, shaking mom, her. mom. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's that. Um, why does Sam's dad's house have a coal heated oven in the suburbs? <laughs> there's just like a big pile of coal that he's buried in. Yeah, Don't you yeah. have central central heating in your house. Uh, there's that next question with the reanimated Sam how does she she eat does she shit does she piss 
So How old I, is, uh... I, I'm going to jump in on this because <laughs> this was one of my questions too. He goes, he says at some point, like when he goes to make sure she's all set up in her like hideaway, hidey hole, I'll go get you some blankets from upstairs. You do sleep still, right? I'm guessing you still <laughs> sleep. So wait a minute. You're a fucking genius. You think she <laughs> sleeps, but you never concern yourself with feeding her or toiletry or right. water or anything. Why, why would you think she sleeps if she clearly doesn't need any of these other things because you've left her for days and she's fine? Yeah. Yeah. Again, big yeah, physiological, just... biological questions there to answer. <laughs> yeah. There's just okay. uh, there's just a lot that they didn't feel we needed to know. Right. No, there's just a lot of a lot of suspension of disbelief. Okay, and then my final question: Why would Sam's vision be infrared digital? Good question. Again, great question. The just the idea of implanting a simple a, a microprocessor into her brain somehow completely overall alters the physical makeup of her. Every aspect right. of her. He didn't add Cybertronics to her body. I mean, that yeah, again, no. I'm going to jump in on this because that's part of my question too. How does she have this superior robotic strength just because she has a microchip in her head? I mean, if you want to look at it from any kind of scientific factor, her body's actually just deteriorating at all, all right at, at every moment. So how would she be able to slam a basketball with hydraulic force break doors open, you know, all this crazy shit that she does simply because she has a fucking, um, like floppy disk <laughs> to era technology piece, my microprocessor in her head or whatever. Does it? Right. Does so it that's the thing. Like all of these kind of questions that we have get resolved in a movie that came out a year later. And that movie was called RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and I know how big a fan of that movie you are, Adam. Yeah. So anyway, so that's all of my questions. I'll hand it off to you guys. You guys decide which one of you wants to take take it from there. So Do you want to fight it out or should I just finish mine? Because I already kind of dropped mine in. <laughs> You've got the floor, brother. All right. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever had to spend much time in the hospital with people dying. But I have. And yeah, I just want to say this is a really good way to start whatever you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, well, what I'm about to say is that they go, oh, well, it's not even 9 o'clock yet. And then Dad goes, let's just get on with it. And they pull the plug <laughs> on her life support, and she dies immediately. You know? Right. The people that I've been around in the hospital when they pull the plug, and it's been a few, they don't die immediately. There's nothing peaceful and easy about it they fucking ride even when they're brain dead they writhe and they make facial tics and they usually have to inject morphine into their iv before they die so yeah that whole thing i'm going hmm yeah bullshit <laughs> um this is nitpicky it doesn't really matter but did you guys catch this is tom wearing guy liner throughout the movie <laughs> He's got I very, don't know. I didn't see that at all. He's got very <laughs> accentuated eyelashes. All right. I mean, I didn't. I didn't notice that. I mean, I did find him to be rather effeminate, <laughs> just yeah. in general. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a question framed within a quote. Oh, I dropped a glass. I was starving. <laughs> you know, the part where <laughs> Sam's downstairs and he scares the milk right out of his hand. And then mom goes, Paul, is that you? And then he goes, oh, yeah, mom, I'm just making some food. No, you're not. And then he further elaborates by going, oh, I dropped a glass, mom. I I was just starving. Like, milk is not food, pal. What the fuck is your problem? <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, okay. So after Elvira gets her head erupted, they, <laughs> they go next door and there's a fucking neighbor in his slippers and a bathrobe. And he goes, you know, oh, uh, well, I heard that. What is he saying? He's like, like, uh, I heard that Elvira saw the dead girl and now her brain's all plastered on the wall or whatever he says. Who who did he hear that from? I mean, <laughs> unless he is like friends yeah. of dispatch or has like a radio scanner. When, when they call <laughs> in, it's to the police station. The guy goes, the, the, the dispatch picks up and then talks to the guy on, who thinks that it's just like a crank call from Elvira or whatever. He's like, she, she claims she saw the dead girl. Did, did Elvira just open the door and tell all of her neighbors? Like, how does this guy so informed? Yeah. <laughs> he knows about all yeah. the crimes and stuff. It's kind of crazy. Uh, he, okay. Paul can't trust Sam. We know this because he says that. I can't trust you. Yet he leaves her to wander around his house day in and day out for however many the course of how yeah. many days is going on just, just to, you know, wander into some trouble. I don't know. Maybe get caught by mom in the kitchen. What are you, what are you thinking? Tie her down or something. I mean, at least make an effort, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, he puts um, her in the closet at, at one point. Oh yeah. Well, the closet clearly, clearly works. Uh, restrains anyone. <laughs> this woman has fucking hydraulic robo strength. She she forces open two separate doors just like yeah. nothing. She takes a basketball right. at fucking cannon blast velocity to someone's head. <laughs> you know? A closet door is going to stop it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, I'm not sure, but I think I watched it with subtitles. I think they said the cop's name was Volchek. Could be wrong on that. So I'm just going to say the yeah, cop. Yeah, Volchek. Volchek. Okay. So in the end, why didn't he take any kind of preventative measures when Sam was doing her kind of like swan pose, I'm going to kill you? You see from where she's laying when the camera is panning out to a wide shot that she's like 20 or 30 feet away from him when when she starts her run. And then the cop goes, you know, Sam, stop. And then he shoots her. One bullet takes her down. This fucking superior, apparently robotic thing. She gets killed by yeah. one bullet to the gut. But why didn't he do any kind of preventative measures before she got that far? She's running from 20 to 30 feet away. Shoot her in the leg. Yeah. At least try. Shoot her in the leg. You know, tackle her, something. I don't know. That's uh, another instance of another common theme that I've interacted and Pat talked, Pat and I talked about is the, the bad, bad cop doing a bad job yeah. in every movie. So kind yeah. of like real life. 
Uh, yeah, right. That's, hey. that's, that's, that's all I got. So, John, you got the floor. Well, I love just I want to say I always love your questions because they're always things that I never fucking would have thought of. <laughs> right. And, and and I mean that in the most respectful way. I'm, I really I'm, I'm real pedantic with my questions. I know that <laughs> most of them I'm not supposed to think about, but it's really hard to ignore <laughs> these things. It makes, that, it, yeah. it makes it a lot more enjoyable to I, hear. I mean, this. you could you could explain away things like does Sam eat? Does she sleep? Just by not even asking the question, oh, you want some blankets? I assume you still sleep. Like I would never even come to my mind to think about how to not just open the floodgate for all of this questionable shit. He's worried about her sleeping, but cares nothing about her other vitals. You know, <laughs> he's so caring, but he doesn't offer her a glass of milk that he loves drinking and spilling on the floor. <laughs> Right. Oh, it all comes back to the milk. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, I broke a glass. I was starving. <laughs> all right, I got. I've got a few here. Okay. Question number one: Who the fuck? I mean, maybe, maybe a punk from fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but who the fuck just has a random can opener on them? Um. The part where they're like, "Who's got a can opener?" And one of the, like, one of the bullies just pulls one out. Like, I can understand if you had a bottle <laughs> opener, because right. people carry, people carry bottle openers around when they need to crack open a brewski. But yeah, not a can opener. Wait, it's not. I didn't catch that. It's not even a can opener on like a Swiss Army knife or something. It's just no, straight, it's up. Like a straight up. It's a straight up fucking green giant creamed <laughs> corn can opener. Like, <laughs> it's, for all like them, it's all them bad boy fruit cocktails he eats down on the tracks when he's riding the rods. <laughs> this, dude, this dude says, who's got a can opener? And I was like thinking, okay, that's – when I watched that scene, I was like, okay, that's just going to be like a funny thing that the punk says. But nope, nope. Half a second later, his friend just busts it out and hands it to him. <laughs> who's got it? Oh, right. When he's looking at BB, who's got a can opener, right? Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, I need something to like fuck with this robot. Who's got a can opener? God. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, I was like, that would be like a funny thing for a, a screw up asshole to say, you know? Yeah. But yeah, nope, he got that can opener. Thanks to the <laughs> writing room. Um, so anyway, that was my first one. Second one, which I'm surprised neither of you picked up, when they're trying to escape from the fucking mutant lady with the gun, the gate is wide open. Yeah. But instead of going yeah. two feet to literally escape the premises completely, they veer to the left to hide behind a bush that is very much still in the premises. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I just wanted to say – I don't know to put it in my questionable or my good. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the question. So is it Elvira's packing? Like literally, she has her shotgun clearly, but she has enough to reload shotgun in her pocket. Did you notice that? She discharges the shells and drops new slugs in. So she is ready for fucking combat. Clearly, but <laughs> but why? You know? Yeah. Is I mean, this, is this like a fear could, thy neighbor situation or something? I mean, that could just be like all come back to like she's the crazy lady in the neighborhood, you know? Like, 
they're, they're, those are the people that would do that, you know? But I mean, yeah. look, all I'm saying is that crisis could have been averted. I mean, I, I get that the movie still needs to happen for another hour. So I sure. guess that's a, you know, well, but, right? but, but at the same time, they couldn't do any better than at least having the gate lock behind them. Yeah. Well, right. And to your point and to my point as well, crisis could have been averted, but crisis is coming because she's reloading that shit. It wasn't enough to just scare them off the premises. She's ready for some serious bloodshed, you know? Right. Well, right. she's ready to just just blow away first, some teenagers. <laughs> the first thing I thought of when they were like about to leave and just like get the fuck away, like they clearly show the open gate and them not utilizing yeah. it. Yeah. And it is, it is even further away to go behind the bush than it would have been to actually escape. So that was just. I mean, I wish they had all died right then. Sure. Well, I was going to say, rewriting, for, for rewriting this, this movie could have totally satisfied me. This would have been a five out of five if it gone through this like robot kids movie kind of thing up to that point where they all, everyone's still alive. And Elvira just, they used that cool stunt of her head exploding, 10 pound of gore and five pound bag on the kids. That's how it ends. She blows away the fucking robot <laughs> and blows away the kids in her front yard. Movie's over. It, just was, a, it was a sci-fi film up to that point. Then it's just done. <laughs> that would have been a fantastic short, a p- fantastic short film yeah. that would at least have people wondering what the deeper meaning of it all was. Right. Don't you trust, know? don't trust Goonies mom. Yeah. So, Okay. All right, so we've established that they're all idiots. Um, next thing, and this is something I think I might have missed, okay? But, like, all of a sudden, it's fucking Thanksgiving? Like, I'm not saying that it can't just be Thanksgiving. I know that happens, but, like, I don't know. Like, at least talk about how Thanksgiving's coming up or something. Yeah. <laughs> But all of a sudden, they're just sitting down to praying at Thanksgiving dinner with a big turkey. Oh yeah, like, and let's let's hope that 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 you know, Mister uh, Pringle is dead away all night. Like Mom knows about the abuse and just oh, that's Mister Pringle. Oh, yeah, bad boy. Said, yeah, when she said that, like, and they all laugh about one, it. <laughs> yeah, number one, the the daughter is sitting right there, like. I think that even though you're technically siding with her, you, you still need some amount of tact when you're addressing it. Yeah. You're not going to say to a, an abuse victim, by the way, I hope your abuser is long dead after this meal. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah, or just like, I think she's re- referring to, like, I hope he's dead away for the rest of the evening. Even still, it seems completely uncouth, uncouth to laugh. <laughs> Everybody laughed. Oh, we're laughing because you get beat up at home. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been uncalled for for Sam to just be like, "Do you think it's that fucking simple?" Right? Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and then, when we come to find out, she gets killed that night. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good foreshadowing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I. I mean, I personally just have a problem with it. Just all of a sudden being a holiday. Anyway, 
This one I know you guys are not going to disagree with, but I'm very surprised that neither of you mentioned this yet. Mom passing out. Yeah. Okay. When you take sleeping pills or if you're just really fucking tired and you fall asleep, there has never been a point in the history of time where the reason or the way that you got to that point was that you stood up intending to go to the kitchen. But instead of like laying down and being like, no, I'm still tired. You pause momentarily, get a look of realization, a dramatic look on your face like, oh shit, something's happening. Uh Uh-oh, I'm passing out now. (laughs) Yeah. That 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 is not a thing. You, I don't want that to be a thing in a movie because of how it's never going to be a thing. Like they they couldn't do better than that. She literally – that is the most ridiculous scene of someone passing out I've ever seen in my entire life. She stood up and all of a sudden was just like – just had this look of horror on her face when she realized, oh, shit, I'm this tired. Yeah. And then decided to sit back down and go to sleep. Yeah. That's just, I mean, did you guys not find that part just like ridiculous to the max? Yeah, of course. I, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it yeah. was extremely absurd. The entire thing. I and mean, then she sleeps to the next day and yeah. Well, that's it for me. But I, I was borderline offended by that last one just because. It was <laughs> I was like, going to say, I, I, yeah, I think that that part was again, part of the schizophrenia of this movie where they have these parts where they're trying to make it. Very funny and kind of goofy and yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But then there's all these other very starkly dramatic, horrific parts. They're trying to. Yeah, I mean, the, the part somehow. that I was just referencing almost could be on like SNL or Mad TV. It could be on yeah. any. Uh, Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Weekend at Bernie's, um, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. These kind of dumb ass 90s movies or something. The last one that I wanted to bring up was not so much a question, but again, scaling this up to resolve some things and talking about making Paul more of like a, a protected employee of let's say the U S government that harnesses very, very, you know, advanced engineering skills. Okay. If Elvira like destroyed, an advanced AI like BB, that bitch would be in serious trouble. <laughs> Dude. Well, here's the thing. Yes, but not in this universe, apparently, where <laughs> he's allowed to literally just take it out t- trick or treating. Well, right. I mean, that's yeah. a what the fuck? She's, she's, <laughs> there's all kind. there's a myriad of, 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 Faults here. First of all, grown woman shooting at children. You know, right. no one, no one even cares about that. Secondly, there would be at least be a civil suit about sh- fucking blasting away this advanced piece of equipment. Um, right. <laughs> you know, like uh, egregious uh, property damage. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one gives a shit. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyways, let's move on then. Uh, unless you guys got sure. anything else to say, I think we've we've definitely we've definitely filled our time quite a bit. <laughs> no, I I I'm I don't need to. Hey, does tear anybody this got a can opener? Anymore. 
If you want, it's three multi-valve compressors. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Tell your friends to leave. Yeah, even the child for me. Leave, leave. Get away. Get on your bikes now. All right. So. Let's move on to our words and categories section, starting at the top with quotes. I completely forgot to put any quotes. I hope you guys put something okay, in there. Okay, here. <laughs> I, got, I got one. I didn't have it till this afternoon, but upon rewatching, I love this. When Paul and Tom meet, and they're kind of sniffing butts, uh, if you like, you know, and like, oh, yeah, we'll yeah. see you around. Tom says something like, oh, yeah, you're in 10th grade. I don't know why he just assumes that, but. Yeah, uh, and then Paul says uh, something really effective. I'm actually um, on a scholarship at Polytech. It's quite a prestigious um, medical uh, university. You know, he kind of lays out his accolades, and Tom responds, "Whoa, whatever." <laughs> Dude, that's on my list of quotes. I think he says, like, I'll see you later after that. But whoa, he says, whatever. I think it sounds like it sounds like he says, whoa, but in the subtitles, I, I rewatched it. The subtitles say, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I have, I have this on my quote list, too. I'm surprised you do, too. That's awesome. That's uh, because it's yeah, hilarious. When, I mean, when, I, you, I, yeah, I, when you take that quote out of context, it's not funny. But when you watch it with the movie, like his response, <laughs> well – <laughs> whatever i don't know i have this i have this reoccurring inside joke with my friends where it's like if you say something extremely um personal and you know heartfelt and then it's best in in text or something and then the only response back you get is no punctuation whatever <laughs> i love that <laughs> so that they did this in 86 it just it, it really made me feel good that redeemed the whole movie whoa <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that part was awesome. I was dying. Yeah, but that's my quote. Yeah. That's really it. Okay. That's the only quote I have besides oh Sam, great tits. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. kinda I kinda that's... mentioned that in the preamble, but it's good. That's a good one too. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the save on that because I dropped the ball. Um okay. The Derek Zoolander award for the biggest idiot in the movie. I just put Sam's father. Yeah, uh, that was a close second for me. I said Paul because his fucking plan sucks. And then he rolls out like just boner after boner through throughout the rest of it, you know. You guys yeah. are both correct, but I still said Tom. Just because like okay. to me it was just – he's just an obvious boner. Yeah. Well, the, the, that yeah. spill he took at negative one mile an hour over the curb in the yeah. beginning – you're a fucking paper boy. You can't be affording doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, he's just like, he kind of just like seems like such a dumbass to me. So I, I gave it to Tom. All right. All right. Uh, 
the Joseph and the Technicolor Green Coat Award for the uh, best wardrobe and makeup. I mean, there's a lot of pedestrian wardrobe and makeup, so I just said BB. I don't know. I said that too. <laughs> I, I think that that qualifies. If you can qualify Sam being a robot, why can't I qualify a robot? BB looks pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. I would give this to one of the one of the bullies, one of the the. T- TMNT Man, bullies, you, you bully are squad. A, you are a turncoat after talking all that trash about how fucking milk toast and just th- shoehorned in these bullies are. You going to give them the award? They get the award, but it's not a good award. Oh my God. It's because the one guy had blue blockers on, isn't it? <laughs> it's 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 like a raspberry award. Like you, you're not, you shouldn't go around showing people, you know? All right. Fine. All right. <laughs> The Cosmo Kramer Award for the, the character most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. I put Elvira. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I could see that. I uh, I had trouble with this one, so I just did a cop-out. And I, I kind of technically didn't answer it. But I just said the mother because she actually does play a character in Seinfeld. Oh, really? Yeah, she's uh, Rita Kirsten, the the president of NBC that takes over after Russell Dalrymple. Oh, yeah, you're right. I totally missed that. Yeah, Yeah. I I actually – I didn't find that from looking it up. I just recognized her and then I fact-checked it just to make sure I was like actually seeing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure enough, same same woman. Yeah, that's funny. I did – I recognized her too, and I couldn't quite place it. So there you go. That's why. Well, I, I said Mr. Pringle, the dad, um, just because he looks like the kind of eccentric weirdo that would be in a Seinfeld show, but not necessarily as his character as a drunken child fucking yeah. abuser. He kind of looks like crazy Joe Davola a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. Um, I don't know. I think it's fair to to also just do the uh, um, the lazy. Well, this person was already inside. We did that with Rennie Santoni. Yeah, so, we did. Whatever. Yep. That's it's fair. just it's That's just like enough. my default. If I can't think of anything better to say, that's all. You yeah. Know? Okay, the Danny Trejo Award for the character most likely to have a spinoff. I I don't know. I put Paul because I guess I thought of. The Doogie Hauser, yeah, the child genius, the yeah, you know I, I that too. type of thing. I think we're unanimous on Paul for the Trejo Award. I mean, honestly, like the spinoff that I'm picturing is like a like almost like a Mork and Mindy type of like <laughs> like Paul and BB type of <laughs> type of show. Yeah, like yeah, like a really family friendly kids sitcom about a boy and like, his robot like small wonder yes like that <laughs> yeah. Exactly like that. yeah i could i could see that too that would make sense um body count so there are four in this and this is how it goes in case you guys didn't think about it okay you got okay so you got the dad you got elvira you have sam Actually, yep. technically, there's five because you have Sam, you have Paul, but Sam dies twice. So, <laughs> well, wait a minute. What about the bully that gets thrown into the windshield? Is he not dead? Oh shit! Forgot about the bully. Yeah, so I mentioned him six. earlier. 
Yeah. Just actually the bully dies. He looks pretty fucking dead. He gets thrown in the police windshield and they go, wow, he was like 30 feet away. She threw him like 30 feet and you see his face and he's all covered in blood. I think we're supposed to, it's suggested that he's dead. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, well, so six and technically if we count both Sam deaths. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll count that for sure. Well, wait a minute. What, a, what about wait, 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 wait a minute? BB, 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 BB also died. So there's seven. <laughs> I'm gonna say six because I don't know if I can count Sam dying twice as two body counts. Yeah, she dies right. as a as a person, then she dies as a humanoid robot. But then isn't that BB dying again? No. Oh, now little, we're getting real convoluted. It's a little of both. All right. Well, we've got a problem on our hands then. You got a problem. <laughs> yeah, you, you, no, you've got a fucking problem. I'm fine with seven. All right. This is this, this. Yeah, this would be another six and a half. Six and a half. All because right. Because a we'll cyborg is like a half. half a person. How about six? Yeah, this and a would fuck be you. Fuck you. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, 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 that would open up a whole another like interesting discussion about. Uh, metaphysics and and what constitutes actual death uh <laughs> all right so well, I, moving will, on. I will say that the body count is questionable at best for this so. yeah there's a lot of questions with the body count okay moving on finally to the wiki wormhole again this was a bloated one i'm gonna try and keep it quick because we're we're running pretty long here i thought this would be actually a shorter episode and we ended up fucking blabbing even longer than i thought uh, this movie was originally given an X rating, so it got downgraded. This, yeah, this movie was originally intended to be a PG movie from Wes Craven, and then ended up being an X rated movie and had to get downgraded to an R. So, that's something. Uh, this is based off the story "Friend" by Diana Henstel. And a lot of the questions I think we had seem to be resolved within the story, so maybe I'll read it someday. Um, Let's see here. This kind of talks about, again, the issues that Wes Craven was having with being able to realize this movie and running up against the studio. But he and uh, Bruce Joel Rubin's original vision for the film was a PG-rated supernatural science fiction thriller with the primary focus being on a macabre love story between Paul and Samantha, as well as a secondary focus on the adults around them and how they are truly monsters inside themselves, which we talked about that in the discussion um, before. Uh, Craven filmed this version of the film, and Warner Brothers decided to screen screen it to a test audience, mostly consisting of Craven's fans. The response from fans was negative, criticizing the lack of violence and gore seen in Craven's previous films. Etc. Etc. So that's why there was all these issues with it actually coming to fruition. Was you know kind of resolving all of these things within the movie and just didn't really quite get fully fleshed out. Um, <clears throat> Christy Swanson was 16 years old during the film making, and let's see, the BB robot cost over twenty thousand to build twenty thousand dollars to build. Wes Craven used a company called Robotics 21. His eyes were constructed from two 1950 camera lenses, a garage remote control unit, and a radio antenna taken from a Corvette. 
BB could actually lift 750 pounds in weight. Pretty impressive, actually, considering that it seemed like BB was just kind of a composite of a lot of junk. Yeah, and we're <laughs> and we're supposed to believe that Paul and Mom somehow fucking fronted the cash for this from their lemonade right. stands and their cookie drives or some shit. I mean, he does look <laughs> literally just like an erector set. Like that's literally what BB looks like. It's just a bunch of yeah. like throwaway erector set pieces. So, which that's as far as I know. BB like was just a repurposed version of of the short circuit robot of Johnny Five. Johnny Five, yeah. I was gonna say the voice of BB the robot was provided by Charles Fleischer, who had previously appeared in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's the he's the the sleep doctor, the Do- psychologist, the doctor, right? And he was also the voice of Roger Rabbit. So he's, he's <laughs> Roger that. Rabbit as well. Yeah, um, rules. For the scene chronicling the transplant of BB's microchip into Samantha's brain, Wes Craven called on the advice of retired neurosurgeon William H. Faith, who has a cameo in the film as a coroner in Sam's hospital room. Craven said that he was very helpful on all anatomical details. Craven himself studied anatomy a great deal before filming started. This is all crazy to me to consider, again, how absurd the concept of just putting a fucking microchip into you somebody's brain would create them, you know, as a reanimated being that like he, wouldn't the neuroscientist be like, yo, this just wouldn't work. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. The fact that like there is somewhat proof that more than three seconds of thought went into this is very unsettling to me. I know. right? They had a, a neurosurgeon kind of, um, doing the backup, uh, research is that's bizarre that they chose the <laughs> the uh, trajectory that they did. It's fucked up, kind of. Right? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> a lot, a lot of questions with that as well. Uh, let's see what else. Um, screenwriter Bruce Joel Rubin went to, uh, on to write two more afterlife theme movies, Ghosts and Jacob's Ladder. Unlike Deadly Friend, both films were critically and financially successful. Jacob's Ladder is one of my favorite movies of all time. That movie is yeah, amazing. It's real good. So, yeah. Uh, okay, and... how about this one? How about this one? While filming the movie yeah. and having problems with Studio Force reshoots, Wes Craven and his wife Mimi were going through a messy divorce. Okay, fine. The part that I find interesting is that uh, he even faced a $30 million lawsuit in court with a unnamed person who claimed to not only have written A Nightmare on Elm Street, but that Craven stole the story. On top of that all, uh, he was removed from two major projects, Beetlejuice and Superman IV, The Quest for Peace, both of which were also distributed yeah. by Warner. Yeah, I remember reading that before when I was uh, researching stuff related to A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder who this said unnamed person is. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting, well, though. Probably. Probably Charles Fleischer. Ah, could be, but it could just be some random. Kind of like how my ex-girlfriend's dad insisted that he made the hacky sack. You know, (laughs) and he tells his story time and time again. It's like, no, you didn't, guy. You did. You just didn't. Dude, I had a friend. I had a friend who seriously tried to convince us all that he invented freestyle walking. (laughs) Um, 
And it, I, or, I, and I love, as I say, I love those hyperbolic instances of people you know that are just clearly lying, but they are convinced, they're really trying to convince you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 this dude's, this dude's like, I guess, for lack of a better word, like alibi. No, that's not the right uh, word. They, they just <laughs> hit you with an unnecessary amount of facts to validate their point. Dude, he, yeah, he, he said that he, uh, knew somebody that worked for MTV and, and that he that person overheard him talking about the concept of freestyle walking and then therefore freestyle walking was essentially invented by a group of people at MTV. Nice. Like the fad of it. So yeah, I'm just saying I, I might have you guys beat in, in terms of bullshit. Hey, my <laughs> apparently my uncle invented the tenathong. You know the shoes that are actually slip off shoes? Yeah. <laughs> he cut the backs of off some Converse and called them tenathongs. <laughs> <laughs> that was the prototype, like, and somebody was like, hmm, I got a million dollar idea here. <laughs> uh, that's right. I mean, that uh, one's at least somewhat believable because it's not something that a sane person would lie about. Yeah, well, hacky <laughs> like, sack. What the fuck? Who gives a shit? Anyway, moving yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now it's time to rate it. We got to come up with our iconography. All right. So out of five basketballs thrown to an thrown at high velocity to an old lady's head or no here how about uh, this just we'll just keep it simple no, no, of wait 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 wait, wait, wait. wait okay. before you go no, on no. that was literally the one that i had written That's out i wrote I it had. I, this is incredible this is incredible I, so I, I wrote it a little differently mine says basketballs that can completely obliterate a human skull from less than 5 feet away <laughs> yeah i had high velocity robotic head exploding basketball okay well then we're all on the same page then we'll just out of five what do i rate this so i gave it a two out of five dang yeah uh i i was right in there too uh two head erupting basketballs all right well i guess i'll be the i'll be the positive happy guy today i rated this I, yeah, for once, I rated this three basketballs that can completely obliterate a human skull from less than five feet away wow. out of five. Brutal. That's great. I'm glad, though. I feel like every movie, though, has kind of all hovered in this like three out of five range up to this point. Yeah, but the last, gonna... the last three movies were all kind of in the same umbrella. This could have been in our genre month, you know, where it's like – yeah. All what if three, we give all, all three of them are like, is it a kid's movie? Is it a serious movie? Brain scan, best of the best, this. It's all in a I row. I think we all – did we all rate bad boys e- either four or higher? I feel like yeah. we had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. all rated it very high. You rated it perfect, which I'm going, whoa. Easy on the fives <laughs> right, there, did. friend. Did I say five or did I say four and a half? Go back. Listen. No, you, you said, said five. It was per- you said it was perf and you, stay, you, were, you were stout with it. Original. Hey, whatever I said, I fucking stand by. I know because That's... hey, you'll admit when you're wrong, but you're never wrong. So, <laughs> dude, I don't know why you continue to say that when I've clearly established <laughs> that I am always wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so on the midnight clock, where would you put this, guys? 
I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eleven o'clock. Not yeah. quite midnight. Not quite midnight, but definitely past ten. It's got some gore, which you know is unsettling. But it starts out like fucking Goonies. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm with you. We're pretty unanimous on some of these things. I. I feel like it's the end of the USA Marathon. You know, it's like <laughs> one of the last movies past. After after dinner time stuff, right around ten o'clock, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. So you guys are both okay. saying ten, and I'm saying eleven. Yeah, I, I'm going to say All eleven right. as well. So yeah, same general time frame. Okay, so for next week's episode, we're going to have our second guest of the season, and this one is your pick, Brandon. Yeah, go ahead and tell us who's it going to be. What's the movie we're going to watch? Okay, uh, so we're going to have on a dear old friend of mine, old bandmate, Pat Pat Fiorentino. Uh, we played in some bands together. He currently uh, plays in a band called Drowth out of Portland, Oregon. And uh, the movie he picked is going to be Catherine Bigelow's 1995 sci-fi thriller, Strange Days. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have uh, visited, partaken in this movie, but... Uh, we used to watch it a lot when we lived together, Pat and I, and, um, it's a, it's a goodie. Uh, I think that we're all going to have some nice things to say about it. Right. Yeah, on. I'm a big, uh, Cat, I'm a big Catherine Bigelow fan. We talked about, uh, near dark earlier on the yeah. show and near dark is one of my favorite movies of all time. And mm-hmm. I would even go out on a limb and say, I think uh, next to the original Bella Lugosi's Dracula is probably one of the greatest vampire movies ever made. So, wow. fully on board with Catherine Bigelow. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. Our band of the week this week is Milwaukee's Convert, and the track is Slow Choke. Uh, check them out, they're pretty good. Um, and I always keep meaning to do this at the top because no one fucking will ever get this far in the show. But, anyways. You can email us at midnightflixpod at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram at midnightflixpodcast. And I finally got back into our TikTok. So I'm going to try and use it. Uh, (laughs) Because Pat was the one that was doing all the the 